Welcome to In Layman's Terms, a podcast dedicated to discipleship and putting scripture to use in our daily lives. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. I'm the Communications Director for the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in Kansas and Nebraska. As the title of this podcast suggests, I'm not ordained clergy, so what I share comes to you in layman's terms. I have more than 20 years of experience teaching the Bible to everyone from teens to 90-somethings, and I'm excited to share what Scripture has to say to us in today's society, and I love to tell stories of how people live their faith. Some episodes focus on a person or church doing great things to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Some episodes include interviews with experts who can help us along our faith journey. And other episodes include some short reflections on Scripture. Thank you for joining me. Episode, we explored a focus for the Great Plains Conference regarding class meetings, which includes class leaders rising up from congregations to provide spiritual leadership and coordination of ministry. Think of it as homegrown talent helping lead a congregation of believers. This is one way for small churches who no longer can afford a pastor to remain vital pieces of their communities, and the concept traces its roots back almost 300 years to the founder of the Methodist movement, John Wesley. This was an era when not every group of believers had their own pastor but rather one came around on a circuit every few weeks. In the interim, lay people led class meetings to keep the group encouraged, challenged, and faithful. Here's noted Methodist author and historian David Lowe's Watson. What has interested me and what you're doing here uh, with the conference is that you are now exactly doing what Wesley did, finding lay people who have the gifts and the grace to help their fellow church members to follow the general rule. And the general rule of discipleship is, we will witness to Jesus Christ in the world, and we will follow his teachings through acts of compassion, acts of justice, acts of worship, and acts of devotion under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Acts of compassion, it means showing mercy to others. Acts of justice, That means standing up for systemic changes to end marginalization of people. Acts of worship. It means coming together to honor God. And acts of devotion. That means spending time alone, studying, praying, and meditating, all to discern God's call in our lives. But how can a congregation do all of those things if they don't have a pastor? Well, as I said earlier, the believers on the prairie rarely had their own pastor in the mid to late 1800s. Yet here we are. Clearly, they managed to grow the faith and spread the good news about the love of Jesus Christ. Those pioneers in the Midwest clearly had lay people up to the task. Again, here's David Lowe's Watson. If these congregations are vital congregations, we didn't invent them. We did not recruit them. It was the Holy Spirit who moved and brought these people together to form a congregation. So the starting point is not to ask who has the character to do this, but rather who are the people who are following this general rule in one way or another. At a certain point, first of all, we have to recognize that the identity of these small congregations has to be affirmed. We don't come to them and say, this is last resort. (laughs) We come to them and say, you have been anointed here 
you are following the Holy Spirit in this congregational witness. And we want to affirm that. The way that we can do this is by finding men and women in your congregation who show the gifts and the grace to do this. In other words, embracing a class leader model for a church is not admitting defeat. Indeed, some churches might not survive without moving to this more economical model, but this isn't all about money or the lack of it. Instead, it's about identifying lay leaders, the lifeblood of any congregation, to step up and take ownership of their church. Instead of doom and gloom, it's recognizing the opportunity to continue in ministry by reinventing ourselves. It's about noting that we still have a job to do, even if our numbers have dwindled, even if we have struggled. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit hasn't given up on us. In this episode of In Layman's Terms, we'll continue to explore this idea of class meetings, what they mean for the laity of a congregation, and how this model is working in one of our pilot sites in the Great West District of the Great Plains Conference. Together, we'll talk about how an idea from the past may solve a problem in the present and at the same time give us a path to a brighter, more vibrant future. Pastor Mark Baldwin has led congregations since 2006, and since 2016 he has served the Nebraska communities of Hershey, Sutherland, and Paxton. They're all west of North Platte. Not quite to the Nebraska panhandle, but pretty darn close. He's a network leader, meaning he helps coordinate efforts for resourcing and cooperation among other churches in the region. And here lately he's added another title, Mentor. This time for a class leader for the churches in Mullen and Tryon, Nebraska, both of them north of North Platte. Here's Mark, who joined me via Zoom, explaining his role and the role of the network in assisting a church move to the class meeting model. You know, the first thing was when they talked to me about it was, you know, I knew this wasn't just me, it's our network, you know, so it's, even though I'm kind of the lead person because I'm the network leader, it's not just me out there on my own. I can, I, I can fall back on other pastors, other lay people in my network, but it was, for me, it was exciting because I think that we need to think outside the box, and if one thing that COVID's done for us, that's, that's made us do that. And, 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 and here was an opportunity for me personally uh, to, to help out, to not just, you know, I mean, I serve three churches already. Yeah, I have a lot going on, but still this was an opportunity to reach out to those churches that weren't too far away. I mean, they're not just next door, but they're, they're uh, not too far away and show them that they're still connected uh, that, that they have some uh, spiritual uh, resources at their uh, fingertips. And that's what kind of my role is, is to make sure that uh, if they need some visits, hospital visits, which, you know, <laughs> in the future, uh, uh, funerals, uh, weddings, that we have a, a group of pastors that are standing by that could help out when need be. We know, too, that there are people in the church that can do hospital visits, their churches. They can go to the nursing homes. And that's another thing where I think it's important that we find the leadership and the people are, there's usually people in your churches that are willing to do this, want to do this, but sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, it just, they just don't have that opportunity. Here they have the opportunity, and maybe it's something that they've been wanting to do and willing to do, and now they can go and 
and show those people they're still very connected. The key to the class meeting model is it has to work just like it did on the prairie. It requires people who already have the respect of the faith community and who already know the people of that faith community. This isn't really about moving a new person into a ministry context. After all, that's what we already do with itinerant pastors. Instead, someone has to be identified from within the congregation. We talked about this a little in the last episode, but here's an excerpt from that discussion. This is Reverend Don Hasty, District Superintendent for the Dodge City and Hayes Districts. These are people in the congregation who others are already looking to for leadership. These are people uh, who are already respected in what they, their wisdom, uh, their walk with Christ. Um, and uh, so it's, it's identifying uh, that which is already happening. And, um, and empowering those people then to, to take on more of a pastoral role um, in um, the ministry with, with uh, the group they're part of. And, and maybe formalizing some of that. Um, part of it would be giving them recognition and authority to, to carry out a specific ministry. So let's get into the how they did it information. Here again is Mark Baldwin talking about how the class leader was chosen. It turns out the Mullen Church's administrative assistant was selected and accepted the role. She's not named here because, as of my deadline, I had not yet had the chance to speak with her to obtain permission. You know, we had uh, a few meetings uh, with uh, the churches, uh, talking with them. I think, uh, for me anyway, it was who was asking the questions, who was seeming to get the idea of what we were trying to do here. Uh, the class leader needs to be someone who, of course, knows the people. Uh, and, and in this sense, we have two churches, but she still knows it's they're the area uh, enough that she knows those people. Uh, and it has to be someone who I think is uh, passionate about uh, trying to keep their churches going. You know, uh, they know the the reality was that it was difficult financially, but I think as we met a couple times, and I know in my own self, I'm saying uh, I've never met any of these people, but we had a Zoom meeting, so you get to see them, you get to talk to them, and I was like, the first thing was, I like this person right here. She would really be a good class leader, and so we had a, another meeting with their SPRC, and they said, well, here's the person we think will be the class leader, and I said, that's exactly who I was thinking it should be, just because of the way she was asking questions that she was involved. Um, I wish it was that easy for everyone. I don't think it's going to be, but I think in our, in our case anyway, uh, it was definitely someone who the, the, the fingers were pointing at, here's the one who should be the, the one who can do this. And she has to have the confidence uh, to uh, reach out to her people and say, this is something that we're, we're trying to do. Would you be willing to help us? You know, and, and it has to be someone who's strong in that role of communication, uh, already a leader, and then her job as administrative secretary. We saw, I saw that in her too. Let's be honest here. All of this is still in the developmental stage, with a lot of our R&D, that's research and development, going on in small communities in the Great Plains. In some contexts, the class leader will be at the pulpit, exhorting or providing devotions or doing some traditional preaching. Others may lead Bible studies in their homes for small groups of people. And others may take on even different roles, much like a coordinator of activities and learning for a community or communities of faith. Mark Baldwin explains that, at least to this point, this is the case in Mullen and Tryon. 
Shiga is really the coordinator. Um, she and I get together and, uh, you know, one of the things about uh, a class leader uh, is to, and we went through, of course, and looked at some of the history of the class leadership. And one of the roles of the class leader is to uh, help people grow as disciples and also to uh, notice those who are in their own churches uh, have that ability to get up and do a devotion or even do a sermon um, and then uh, help them maybe get the confidence to go up and say, you know, you can do this. And that's her role really is to reach out to, and, and she can fill in. Uh, one of the first Sundays when we got this started, she, uh, she was the one who uh, took care of the service, but her main role is to reach out to others and give them that ability in their, in their own churches to stand up there and to lead a service with the help of our network with other, you know, lay, lay readers and CLMs. So where do you start? In our last episode, David Lowe's Watson recommended beginning this process by having the congregation literally write a name or names down on a piece of paper to identify people they find have necessary gifts and graces to be a class leader. Here's one more reminder from a previous episode. The Reverend Cindy Cargus, the Gateway and Great West District Superintendent, explained that worship, though only one of the aspects of our faith lives, often is seen as the most important point of concern for members of a congregation. They just don't want to lose that part of their spiritual lives. As Cargus explains, through support from networks, congregations will experience firsthand our United Methodist connection while also receiving some support when it comes to maintaining a vibrant worship setting. Here's an excerpt of what she shared on this subject last time. I think initially uh, the impetus in some of the churches that I serve is really the worship piece, right? How, how do we have um, pastoral uh, leadership for worship? Um, you know, they already do a lot of, these, you know, churches are churches. They care for each other, you know, those pe- some of those pieces. Um, but the piece about the, past, the, the worship piece. So that's kind of um, pushing, I think, the, uh, the opportunity for us to look at how do we um, have worship maybe in some different ways. The network clergy leader will be the one working with the class leader um, to make sure that worship is provided. Um, and then when there is need for pastoral care, um, funerals, weddings, hospitalization, something, some uh, you know, critical needs in hospitals, then the, the network leader will um, uh, provide that or other pastors in the network. So I think it's a way to be connectional and for churches to know they're not alone. Um, and even if they don't have a local pastor in their midst, I mean, a resident pastor um, in their midst or in their parish, um, we're still there. The church is still there and they're still connected and we're going to do uh, what we can to, to support them in that process. So I think that's um, really kind of an important um, piece. Of, but I, like I said, I think it's a, a lot of times initially it's, it's the worship issue that raises the concern. So with that in mind, Mark Baldwin said the first priority was to make sure Sunday worship was covered. He explains further. In the early process, we've just started by filling the Sundays up, um, making sure they have someone who uh, will give a devotion or a sermon. Uh, I have, um, she has people in the churches, Mullen and Tryon, that she can reach out to who wanted to speak, who who, who feel good about having that uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit in them to come forth and do that. Uh, and so far, uh, we have been able to fill the pulpit uh, every Sunday. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. We talk 
uh, once a week uh, via phone or email or texting. So she knows she has that support from just not me, but our, our network too. So things are underway in Western Nebraska. They must have it all figured out, right? Well, not quite, at least not yet, but they're on their way. When we come back to in layman's terms, we'll hear what they are learning from this class meeting setting and what still needs to be worked out. We'll be back in just a few moments. Matthew 28 tells us to make disciples of Jesus Christ, but how can you do that? You can help by providing some inspiration each morning to someone else. Just go to www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Once there, you'll find a QR code and a link to a sign-up page. Pick your day and your topic. If you need some assistance, there's even a link to the Vanderbilt University Daily Lectionary. Follow the instructions for submitting your devotion, and you've done your part to help inspire and encourage others in their Christian walk. Again, that's www.greatplainsumc.org slash daily devotions. Help make more disciples today. How does your church celebrate big events? How does it gather the community together? How does it sometimes introduce you to people you might not have known? Many times in the Great Plains, it's with a potluck dinner. And that's what we try to do with our podcast, Potluck. This is David Burke from the Great Plains Conference and host of Potluck, where we do, in audio form, all the things a potluck dinner does. Celebrate big events, gather the community, and introduce you to new and interesting people. Listen to Potluck, available at greatplainsumc.org. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. I'm your host, Todd Seifert. Today we're continuing our discussion about class meetings and class leaders and how these key pieces from our Methodist past can be the key to maintaining a vibrant witness for the gospel in the present and the future. When we left for our break, Pastor Mark Baldwin had just explained that worship was the first priority for the churches in Mullen and Tryon, Nebraska. Let's start off by listening to him explain why this move to class leaders is important for some of our smaller congregations. When Wesley started class leaders, and, and you know this as well, looking at the history of it, you know, uh, it was letting the people, what do you want to call it, kind of take on their, their, the role of the church. You know, this is, you know, this is, I want you to do this. We want you to, you know, it was for raising money back then, you know, so, uh, <clears throat> and here we are saying, we want you to do this, uh, take the, take the role of uh, the leadership and uh, your church so that you may stay connected with the church um, in a time that right now it's you know where churches are looking at uh, other avenues or they want to get out or whatever I think we're trying to keep them connected and that's to me the most important thing. One of the things I greatly appreciate about Mark is his willingness to be open about things. He's very clear that this class meeting setup is far from a finely tuned process. We're still writing the rules as we go along here because this is all new. I mean, you know, you go back to the to the days of class leaders, and it was uh, was really uh, it's 
not set in this type of way of filling the pulpit all the time. And that's what this class leader and I try to do each week is work far enough ahead so that we have uh, weeks already planned. So we don't have to do this in a last moment, uh, even though those things will happen. Of course. We still have some work to do uh, to reach out to other lay speakers. Uh, uh, we have a CLM in uh, my uh, one of my churches who's uh, going to be filling in for uh, some of the Sundays, and it's just an exciting opportunity to uh, help uh, our churches, uh, not just these two, but I think, I hope in the future that we can show that uh, this is a way we can reach out to many churches that are struggling like this. Not to put too much pressure on here, but the reality is the class meeting model can be very successful if we have class leaders. Lay people willing to take ownership in their church, with, of course, the support of the congregation. As we've shared before, laity are key in this endeavor, in all endeavors, really. The lay people are the church. Pastors come and go, but the lay people often stay in the same church for decades. In many of our congregations, we're talking about generation upon generation of people from the same family being part of the same church. Again, here's Mark Baldwin, this time talking about the importance of the laity supporting the class meeting model. I've always been a big fan of lay leadership. Um, and I think when you first get started, you you believe you're the pastor and you have to do everything. <laughs> you go in, and some churches they're willing to let you do everything. But uh, I immediately, uh, well, maybe not immediately. It all takes us all to get a little smarter. But as the time went on, realized that we have some wonderfully trained or wonderfully talented people in our churches who are great leaders. And once we get comfortable in our role in our churches and we find them. It's important to let them flourish. It's important to let them grow. And it just makes the whole church um, flourish because you have this team of people that are passionate about uh, the future of their church to grow, to become good disciples, to reach out, to bring other people in. And, and I think so, in my view anyway, sometimes we get so pastor-centered so um, that we need to we need to let other people involved. We need to get them involved and, and make them a part of the church. And I think it'd make it transitions easier too, uh, going one to the other when pastors have to move, that the lay leadership, the leadership is already there and it'll help that person coming in. So that's why I think it's so important that we uh, find them and then we give them training, you know, that we just don't let them flounder, that we we, if we're going to invest time in them, we help them. We give them the resources to be good leaders. And uh, so to me, it's very important, in, especially in our rural churches, too, that we find it's not always easy sometimes, but there are, they're there. Sometimes they just need a little confidence, a little push to, to say, I know you can do this, so, and I'll be right there to help you. you know? And that's kind of how we're doing this. You know, we're, we know you have leaders. We know you have uh, people who are willing to do this or can do it. We'll be there to help you to get you through this. Identifying class leaders is a passion for Lisa Maupin. She's the Great Plains Conference lay leader, and her background in the United Methodist Church is long and fruitful. She started by leading Vacation Bible School when she was still in high school. I'm not talking about leading recreation or helping with the crafts. She was the director, the director for her church's VBS while she was still trying to grasp the higher aspects of algebra or trigonometry. Here she is explaining the importance of identifying leaders among the laity. Aren't we, like as church 
just aren't we the world's worst recruiters, right? Like you look at somebody and you say, oh, wait a minute, I need a fifth grade Sunday school teacher. So I'm going <laughs> to ask you to right away to teach fifth grade Sunday school. And then we're going to go from there. Not even asking like, you, do you even like middle schoolers? Now, most people don't really care for middle schoolers, but at the same time, you know, can you even relate to a middle schooler is not even the question uh, kind of thing. So I think that part of that identifying of emerging leaders is I always challenge our leadership because it's a new way that I'm thinking of things is always be on the lookout for your replacement. So always kind of be looking out and identifying who's going to replace you. And, who's, and, and when you start looking at that, then you think about, okay, how do I pass on? And you start doing some coaching and some asking of questions. And so oftentimes when I'm looking at people, because I'm, I'm constantly, and I have a list. I actually have a list of people that I'm watching and I'm in conversation with at times. We're just kind of keeping an eye on to see what they're like. And I, I ask them straight out, what are your goals? What do you want to do? Where do you see yourself in this church? And where do you see yourself in your expression of your faith? Because by asking those kind of questions, instead of like saying, oh, I have these open slots, I'm going to just fill warm bodies in there, you kind of get an idea of what the vision is. And then you match up what you know and or other people that you're working with, your team, you shouldn't be doing this alone, your team knows like, okay, let's start putting this person and ask them, this person to kind of do some of these things, get them the skills so we can get to this next goal and to this next goal. Oftentimes, those goals will be matching into the mission of the church because they wouldn't be in your church if they weren't part of that mission, right? And didn't really believe in the furthering of that mission. Lady truly are the lifeblood of the church. We're the heartbeat. Um, and oftentimes, we have lost that that um, recognition in our storytelling that we are, that lifeblood and that heartbeat um, piece of things. Um, so what I see is kind of a struggle is that struggle of the conventional way of, oh, you need to be able to commit to, you know, X number, what, 52 weeks of teaching Sunday school, or you have to do all of these things um, and into maybe which is more of a fluid way of treating lay leadership and recognizing that people are coming into our churches with these great vast resumes and skill sets. And we're not asking the right questions about what, what do you know? What do you do? What do you like to do? What do you want to learn? Um, all of those kind of pieces, because that's what we put together into what I consider this new, new version of lay leadership. Shaping the story and identifying leaders. Those both are keys to our success, at least in my opinion. When it comes to the class meeting model, they're essential. We need to find some strong leaders within congregations willing to step up and congregations willing to support that person. That can be difficult at times, but it might be easier than shaping the story. Lisa Maupin grew up in a small town in western Nebraska, so she understands the complexities that come with dealing with loss in rural communities. She explains further. You have to remember in small towns, there's a lot of small town pride, right? There's a lot of um, history and there's some, some of that small town pride. It is, it is, it hurts when you become a church that can no longer afford or given a, um, a clergy person. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a loss of status and pride that it hurts. It hurts um, to think that you've gotten to that point. Because you remember in a small town, your loss, you know, I always say the, the, 
the way a small town kind of starts to get to the unincorporated status is first of all, you lose your grocery store, right? Then you lose your school. Then you lose your post office. And the last thing you have to lose is your church. And that's what the class meetings model is meant to avoid. Congregations may not be able to afford a pastor any longer, and there is indeed a sense of loss when that happens. But the church is far more than just a pastor. The church is a group of believers getting together for Bible study. It's providing food for a segment of the community in need. It's caring for children, visiting the sick neighbor down the road, or standing up against injustices in a community. None of those things requires a pastor. But they can take place when there are driven laity that can do all of those things. They can serve as the hands and feet of Christ in their small corner of the world. No seminary or course of study necessary. Lisa is big on sharing that the story we often broadcast through our words and actions is one of scarcity. We don't have enough money or enough people. But if we pause and reflect, we just might recognize the abundance that we have to draw from for our ministry together. She shares a story from one of her visits to Western Nebraska. A woman I was speaking to um, from a church, a very small church in the Panhandle. In fact, I question whether the town is still incorporated, in which our United Methodist Church still exists, right? The town itself, um, and she's like, well, we just don't have, our church isn't very big. We just don't have a lot of people. We have like 13 members. I said, okay, you know, going into thinking, how do I help work with this woman about the 13 membership? Now, she had also previously told me they were doing some community activities and they did once a week did a community meal so they could all have dinner together. I said, well, remind me again how big your town is. She goes, well, it's 30 people. Wait a minute. Let's back this up. You're telling me that your church has a membership of 13 people and your town is only 30 people. And she goes, yeah. And I said, do you know that most churches would kill for that percentage? <laughs> right? Most churches, most churches would love to fill in their stat tables that percentage of um, the membership in accordance to the town size. She goes, well, we don't just have those people. We have other community people who aren't members that are part of the community that come in. So we oftentimes have up to 20. And, and I said, again, <laughs> most churches would love to fill that into their stat table. And she goes, I never thought of it that way. Because she was thinking hard numbers and not necessarily the percentage and the outreach. And she goes, yeah, and we draw from at least 20 to 30 miles, you know, to get things. And I'm like, again, <laughs> it, when you back that up and you back that story up. And I tell that story as a way to remind ourselves that oftentimes we need to reevaluate our storytelling reevaluate how we're looking at things, because then that helps us set our goals and helps us think about where we want to be, what our church is doing, and it helps us identify ultimately that leadership within um, and where things are going. I think Lisa is right. Don't get me wrong. We need some brutal reality at times about what our circumstances truly are, but we need to get out of this woe is me mentality. I mean, we're not all Eeyore from the Winnie the Pooh stories, but let's pause to recognize that we are a people of abundance. In John 10.10, Jesus tells us straight up that he came so that we would have life abundantly. And the Bible is filled with stories of God providing for people in myriad ways, from military victories to miracles to, yes, the provision of God's only Son as a sacrifice on our behalf for all time and eternity. I even had an epiphany the very morning of this recording as I read my daily devotion from the book A Chronological Tour Through the Bible by Ron Rhodes. Right now it's kind of tough reading because I'm in Leviticus. 
But this morning, I read about the Festival of Unleavened Bread, the Festival of Weeks, and the Festival of Booths. All are tied to the pilgrimage of the ancient Israelites to the Promised Land. My epiphany? Each of those three festivals are meant to remind Jews, and us, even today, about God continually providing for the people. Our theology is not a theology of scarcity, but our conversations and our storytelling oftentimes is a, it re reflects a scarcity. Whereas, honestly, we should be in a thriving kind of, of mode of doing things. Um, and I, I feel like the class, the, the class meetings also provides a framework, but you can be flexible within that. And so you're going to not see it look the same in everything else. And I think people need to be given permission not to do it just like the church down the street or 50 miles down the road, right? And that's also going to be really hard because we have a we have a tendency in our mindsets, especially when new initiatives come out to compare and contrast, because we already don't feel good enough about ourselves because we've had so much loss. We get stuck in a lot of things because our storytelling needs to flip. It needs to not be circle the wagons, we're surviving, but into, wow, we have this opportunity to thrive. So far, we've talked about what class meetings are, the traits we need in our class leaders, how a pilot project is working, and the importance of lay leadership. Next time, we'll talk about the kind of resources the conference will provide to help equip laity in our churches, not only to raise up class leaders, but how to function without direct leadership from a member of the clergy. We'll talk to the Reverend Nathan Stanton, Director of Congregational Excellence for the conference, and we'll talk to Bishop Rupin Sines, Jr. But that's it for now. I want to say thanks again to my guests, Pastor Mark Baldwin and Talisa Maupin, and thanks again to the Reverends Don Hasty and Cindy Cargis, as well as David Lowe's Watson. In Layman's Terms is a podcast sponsored by the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church and by me, your host, Todd Seifert. If you liked what you heard in this episode, please go rate us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It helps other people find us. And please, if you feel so inclined, share us on Facebook or other social media. Our music comes via a licensed subscription with FirstCom Music. You can find archived podcasts on my website, toddseifert.com, or via a link on the conference website, greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. Feel free to email me any questions or suggestions to tcypher at greatplainsumc.org and I'll do my best to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, please do what you can to help make more disciples of Jesus Christ. You can play a small part in helping change a life.